Welcome to Better Roads, a podcast with Randall Bach, president of Open Bible Churches. Everyone has a story to their journey, and God loves to participate in those stories. Join Randall as he explores another Better Roads adventure. Hey, we're visiting today with Paula Sutherland, who lives in the Eugene, Oregon area. And Paula, delighted to have you with us. Tell us a little bit about your family and where you and Aaron are and how you minister. What happens in your life? (laughs) Well, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here and to get to have this conversation with you. Um, Yeah, Aaron and I, we are at Cove Church in Eugene, Oregon. We've been there for about 10 years now. Um, we have two sons. Our oldest is married to Riley, uh, Sutherland. And so Ethan and Riley get to co-youth pastor at Cove Church. And then our youngest son, Isaac is 20. He's an actor and, and kind of in that world. Um, but we've been at Cove Church for, for these last 10 years. We did a, uh, kind of a, a new change in, in things that God is doing in our church and in, in us in this season. And so lots of changes, new name. Um, and so we're just, we're excited about really what's happening, what God is doing in this time. It occurs, it occurs to me you named it Cove Church so you could, you could go swimming into the COVID world. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we've had that question. Hopefully COVID won't be here forever, but uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, there are definitely some similarities. In that. Yeah, now, I, I know you are a life coach, so as a life coach, you're accustomed to be the one asking all the questions. So this is kind of a role reversal of it, isn't it, today? It is. This is is very different. (laughs) So help our listeners to know uh, what is a life coach and, you know, how is that different from like being a counselor or a mentor and what prompted you to move in that direction? Yeah, I think that's a really great question in in terms of understanding the difference. I usually define it best this way, where counseling is more helping people move from a place from maybe some pain or trauma or things, hurts from the past. A counselor will come alongside and help that person get to a place of of health, somewhat health, hopefully, uh, into today. Um, Where a coach is more about coming alongside somebody that's somewhat in a healthy place today, but maybe for reasons... um, maybe feeling stuck, maybe there's some ways of thinking that are causing them um, to not be able to move forward in in the future. And so a coach really comes alongside and helps ask questions to get people from where they are today to where they're supposed to be um, in the future. And mentoring is, and all of these things are great things, um, um, but mentoring is more someone that would be sharing their life, their life stories, I think the heart of a mentor is really, I'm going to save you some pain because I'm going to share you some of mine, some just to kind of to, to pour into somebody. Um, so I would think that would be more of what a mentor is. But coaches are more, more outside and asking questions to get someone moving forward. That's a great delineation of all of those. So do you, is this something you, you deal locally with people? Do you do this online? How, how does this work for you? Um, yeah, I do. I do all of it. I, I, I do have my own coaching business and I do that online on FaceTime, uh, Zoom calls. Um, 
I do that a lot. I do, I, but I meet at our, I'm on, I work at church at Coke church as well, doing coaching for our staff, uh, for individuals in the church. And I do group coaching as well. And that's been kind of a fun way of helping the staff from things like, you know, maybe we might, for example, want, want, everybody might need some help and just how do I get some more volunteers? You know, I'm starting this, this ministry. How do I get volunteers? And so I will come in with the whole group. Um, and it usually takes about two, two and a half hours. And we do a group coaching where we, we kind of uncover some of the hard things, some of the inspiration that we can gain from each other and everybody walks away with a new action step. So, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, so, so you, so you, uh, uh, uh if, if somebody want to learn more about your ministry, how, how would they find out more? I, um, well, you can find me up. I do have a website. It's uh, liferoadscoaching.com. Um, Life Roads, so it's similar with your Roads mm-hmm. uh, podcast. Better Roads. Mm-hmm. Better Roads. Um, so liferoadscoaching.com. Um, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. So all under Life Roads as well. So Good, good. So you you kind of referred to this a little bit earlier, and you, and you know, ministry for you is a great part of family operation. It sounds like uh, because many of your family members involved, particularly you and Aaron. And you, I know what you do is you you minister alongside. You are both pastoring uh, in this church, so. I think you touched upon this, but talk a little bit about how does being a life coach fit in with your ministry as a pastor in the church? Yeah, I think that this has been, it's been such a discovery for myself and Aaron kind of learning how do we do, how do we pastor together in our own unique giftings in that. Um, And so coaching has been such a a fun tool. And and I, I don't know, I just, I love being able to have some tools to help people move forward to grow in their, their particular ministries. Um, I've been able to help with the discover church planting. I've done some, some coaching specifically with some pastors, but also group coaching as well in that. And so Aaron, I've kind of found some, some ways that we kind of work together in that, that, um, that it's been a lot of fun in this season. Good way to describe it. We have found some ways to kind of work together. Yeah. It's an ongoing yeah. process, isn't it? It is, for sure. <laughs> so let's, let's, I want to just dig in a little bit deeper here about who you are and how you go about the ministry that God's given to you. Do you, Paula, feel more comfortable in front of an auditorium, you know, behind a podium? Or are you more comfortable chatting with someone one-on-one, kind of like we're doing today? Or I know you do group, group coaching also. What's the most comfortable fit for you? You know, I think I'm I'm probably a little bit everywhere. Obviously, I've, I my favorite place is always going to just be one on one with people. I do enjoy that time to really get into where people are. Um, but I also really enjoy preaching and and teaching as well. Um, when I feel like God has put something on my heart, I definitely I really love that part as well. Um, but I probably it, it would lean more towards uh, the one-on-one on a, on a more consistent, you know, basis for myself. Mm-hmm. 
That's your wheelhouse, uh, probably then. Mm -hmm. So uh, I know I've asked you about this before, but, uh, you know, sometimes we pigeonhole people on whether you're an introvert or you're an extrovert. Um, you know, where do you fit on that whole thing? And what about Aaron? You said we work to make we try to make this thing work. How do both of you fit into that? Yeah. You know, I think I think for a while I really would have just called myself an introvert. Um, I, I am on the quieter side, and that's probably a natural um, observation from people and an observation from myself as, as well. Um, but I, I really have learned, especially in this last few years, just how um, I'm probably a little more in the middle. I really do genuinely love to be around people and, and um and so I guess learning the value of both, learning how I can work in both, I probably get refueled um, by being by myself, mm -hmm. um, but I definitely love, love to be around people as well. If I was by myself all the time, I, I would not enjoy that as well. Aaron, I would say, would be more on the extroverted side, but again, for him, he probably would lean somewhere in the middle as well. Um, I think probably just the older we get and and kind of learn who we are and get comfortable yeah. with with that 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 uh, so we we probably would both would he would be more extroverted I'm more introverted but but we definitely you know I think one of the things that happened to me this is probably a couple of years ago I I actually was in a coaching session with somebody who was coaching me and I kept referring to this particular thing about being a quiet person or introverted person. And he did one of those coaching questions that was so powerful to me. He said, um, well, just so you know, I, I don't, he's, I don't, I don't know you very well, but I'm, I'm not convinced you're an introvert or you're quiet. He said, uh -huh. and I, I was shocked because ding, I thought ding, ding. <laughs> nobody's ever questioned that before ever. Yeah. I've never questioned that. And it shocked me. And, and what he was saying was what we, what the conversation kind of led is I'm not defined by my quietness. I'm not defined by being introvert or extrovert. Yeah. Um, I get to just walk in whatever. There are times when, when I do have to step up into things and be in crowds and, and so I don't get to, to hold on to the, I'm an introvert. I can't do that. And I'm, I'm not, yeah. you know, that's not my thing that I just, just understand that God, God equips us in all kinds of places. Mm -hmm. uh, we might lean more towards one, but there, but we're not defined by those. And, mm -hmm. and so, yeah, so I think that's been a, a new one for me of learning that there, there's more to me uh, and, and allowing myself to kind of, um, maybe even push myself into some of those extroverted experiences just to, to, to see, you know, how I can grow and learn things in my own walk and journey. That makes me excited for you because uh, it's just another example of how God continually morphs us. Yeah. And uh, you're saying, don't allow those pigeonholes to become our limitations. Yeah. That God always has more for us. But let's pause for just a little bit longer here on this matter of introversion, since that would seem to be maybe where your, your ground floor was because you're quiet mm -hmm. and your nature and you need, uh, you refuel best uh, when you have the quiet times. And so <clears throat> 
I like, uh, let's, let's consider people listening today who are on that introversion side of the scale. And I know that many times people who are aware of themselves being that way, it, they can devalue themselves mm -hmm. because, because they see everyone seems to be attracted to the extroverts, you know, mm -hmm. and, and the person who is more introverted can become convinced that maybe God only really uses the extroverts, you know, so you've talked about your journey on this. What would you say to people today listening to this who are introverts and who are listening and they're struggling with where they fit? What would you like to say to them? Mm. Um, I, I, I think probably for me, it's, it is, I just really believe that God is, he, he so designs us. We, we are all here for a reason. We are all here for a reason. There's a purpose um, for why we're in the places that we live, where the people that we're around. Um, and I, I do think you're, you know, you're right when we, we do as a culture tend to navigate or be drawn to the extrovert or to the person that's, you know, maybe a little shinier <laughs> at times. Um, and I think, I think that it is for me is understanding also the value of quietness. You know, when I think of music, um, if music was just sound and, and notes, beautiful notes all the time and never pauses and never moments of silence or, or those things, the, the sound would be very noisy. And, mm. and so I think that, that being an introvert becomes really, really important to understanding that it's a part of the song. And it brings value to the music and it, it allows us to be able to actually listen to music. If we didn't have the pause or the quietness, uh, then, then the extroverts would be too loud, I think. Uh, so I just think both are important, you know, and, and vice versa. If, we're, if it was just silence and quiet yeah. all the time, then we wouldn't get to hear hear the other sounds as well. And so I, I just think the both really have to work together. Yeah, that's very, very good. So I know I've learned this about me is that when I'm with people a lot, of course, but I've discovered over the years that as I'm with people a lot, I need a certain amount of time than when I'm not. Mm -hmm. with people. I, I just, I need that. I just, that's kind of my reservoir, you know, is where it's filled there. So for you, you've talked about your mix of personality types and we're always morphing and you're rediscovering every day what the Lord is doing and challenging us to areas to go for you. What have you discovered uh, that, you know, are strengths and weaknesses that you have to be aware of and how do you manage those? Uh, do you mean like strengths and weaknesses in for my you. own? For you personally, yes. I'm not asking you for any revelation here that you don't want to give us. But you know, <laughs> what what have you learned along your journey about how you deal with these things? Yeah, you know, I think one of the things about my personality that I do think is a strength, but I, but it can also be a weakness. That this could be surprising to some. Those that know me well, this is not surprising. But I can be very, very direct at times. Um, I can see things very, very black and white at times. And I'm not afraid of confrontation. I'm not afraid to, to have hard conversations. 
Um, if I hear something, I am, am okay with having that conversation. That has been helpful at times, obviously in ministry and in, in working with people and coaching. There are times where I may have to have a direct conversation or speak something, and those are definite benefits. But the downside of that for me has been um, not, I think probably two things that, that I have learned that I really need when it comes to that. When I don't wait for God's timing in that, oh, yeah. um, that never goes well. <laughs> yes. yeah, and I, oh, my. Yeah. And sadly, I can I could tell you many, many stories of that it, every time. And it, I've heard this before, that speaking the right thing at the wrong time is the wrong thing. Oh, yeah. Um, and so Ouch. so so that particular thing of knowing that, you know, there are times when I've like I feel something I just want to say it and I say it without waiting. Um, it usually causes a lot more hurt and confusion in that. And the second part of that would be also waiting for God's heart in it. And I would, I would follow that with the right thing with the wrong heart is the wrong thing. Mm. Um, and so for me, I, and again, I have, I could tell you many stories for me where I have feel something strong that I want to share, but I'm, I'm okay with God. Not I'm okay with not waiting for God's heart in it because I feel like I've got it figured out and I'm just going to speak it. I'm going to help him out. <laughs> oh yes. And, yeah. Share what I think I, and it, again, it, that, is the wrong thing. The wrong, the right thing with the wrong heart is going to be the wrong thing as well. So, so insightful. Yeah. So for me, it, it, I, I feel like I hope that I'm growing in this area. It, it is a really big deal to me when I feel strongly about something that I want to speak into. I really want to wait for God's timing. And it's been, it's been really fun for me to do this kind of dance with Jesus in that because mm -hmm. When he wants me to speak directly into things, he really leads me in that. And I don't have to push into things. Um, he really does lead. And so when he does, and when I feel like I know his heart in that, that love piece, how much he loves people and cares about them, um, even in hard conversations, I've been able to, to kind of learn how to do that a little better. It is so great. Yeah. You know, um, you also, I think you're, you're saying how part of it is also understanding how God wired you and your personality and how people receive you. Mm -hmm. uh, also, you don't want to get ahead of him. You don't want to get behind him. But uh, I, I would just say from what I've seen of you that, you know, God has graced you with um, uh, a certain, uh, could I say, a softness in how you approach things mm -hmm. and how you say those things where um Frankly, you can get by with saying some things, and maybe I couldn't uh, because <laughs> because you 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 you're able to say it in such a way that maybe isn't inflammatory or taken as a, a power play. Uh, so I think part of it is understanding how God's wired you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So um, you know, the last few years we referred to this earlier. They've been COVID years mm -hmm. in our country. How has that impacted you and the work you do as a life coach, Paula? Um, you know, I, I feel very, you know, obviously COVID has been 
very difficult for for so many and you know it's been, it really has been a very difficult time in so many ways but i also for me have seen how it's been the timing again going back to god's timing in things it has felt like the right time for me to step into some of those role, roles as a coach and i actually when covid first hit um at the time, I wasn't even meeting very much online or through Zoom or FaceTime, but that really was my heart. Uh, and so COVID actually helped me, it helped, the world began to become a lot more comfortable with Zoom and FaceTime calls. And, and so for me, COVID has, has been a kind of a, a unique time to be able to really um, be outside of just my community here in Eugene. Um, yeah, just by being able to, as we are all more familiar with with um, Zoom and those things, just being able to to explore more, coach more. So I started coaching a lot more on on at home in that time, and and now you know probably most of my my clients are don't live in Eugene and. And so I don't know, I think COVID for me has, um, it's produced some unique opportunities for me to expand outside of just my, my world here. Yeah. So, and, you know, I've probably some people listening today who maybe, you know, you've piqued their curiosity and they realize, uh, you know, that kind of sounds interesting. That might be a fit for me being a life coach. So talk to us a little bit about, you know, what are the qualifications um, you know, what sort of training is involved? And frankly, are there people who should not become a life coach? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, I think that, you know, I think coaching in general is good for all of us to learn. And I think there's a lot of training just for all of us to learn just how to listen better and ask questions. Um, so for me, uh, Getting some training was really important in that I, I, I felt like going into coaching when I first I went to got my first certification at Western Seminary up in Portland, Oregon, and um, kind of went into that thinking, yeah, I'm pretty good listener. I'm probably going to I'm probably I probably could do this thing and uh, realized very quickly that there were things that I was doing and, and asking in conversation that were actually keeping people in the past um, instead of moving forward. And again, if I'm in a, in a counseling conversation, those things are really important to, to kind of go into the past. Um, and so the training became really important in learning some skills that really help people move forward in in the things that we ask when I, when I, when I'm with somebody, uh, our natural thing would be to tell me about your life. Tell me about the past. What has worked? And, you know, what have you done? All of those are great questions, but they do keep people in a place of looking in the past. And so mm -hmm. learning some new questions that, that um, help people one to move forward and, and two to use other parts of their brain, um, allowing. So, so getting some training in that has been, helpful in that. So I think that we all, all can learn more when I think of somebody who probably isn't, a, a wouldn't be the, the 
the best coach. And, and I see this from time to time, and, and I can be this way myself, is that nature that we just want to tell um, somebody. And, <laughs> and I think, again, the heart is to like, I want to save you some pain. Let me tell you what I did. I see your problem. Quit doing that yeah. and everything will be okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've got it all figured out. And, um, and honestly, in that, that was when I first got it, when I first started the journey of coaching, I was meeting with, at, at the time, a lot of women at that time were that were struggling with um, addiction and um, lots of different kinds of addiction. I was meeting with them and we would weekly, I, there was about six of them that I was meeting with weekly. And every week we would have these great conversations and I would share all of my wisdom <laughs> and they, they would cry, I would cry. It was a very powerful moment. And week after week, after week, after week, it month after month after month, it, I, I started seeing this, like what nobody's changing, you know, is our object just to have a good cry. Right. And I heard the Lord say to me, are you wanting just to hear yourself tell a beautiful story or do you want to see me move in people? Um, and so I had to really ask that hard question to myself, like, do I just want to hear myself be motivated by my, my wisdom or do I want to actually see Jesus move? And so that really began the journey of, of um, getting some more tools and techniques and how to do that. Um, so. so without divulging, you know, anyone's privacy, you work with people and that's very important, the privacy or professional about that. You know, what, could you tell us about maybe one of your favorite experiences as a life coach, you know, the kind of thing that if you could frame it, you'd hang it on your wall. And, and then conversely, is there some moment you'd say, if I could just forget that and wipe that <laughs> off, I would do that. You know, when I think of a favorite conversation that I had the privilege of coaching, um, was a very dear friend of mine who she actually passed away about a year ago. And um, she was somebody that her, her health was, uh, she struggled in her health for a lot of years in her life. And it's a long story how we, we ended up becoming in, uh, it's, a, it a, it's a cool story, but a long story of how our lives kind of would weave back and forth um, together and then for times not together. And when we moved back to Eugene, uh, she, she had run into us three times at different places in Eugene. And the third time she finally said to the Lord, all right, I'll go back to church. (laughs) (laughs) So, so it was those divine moments where God really put us together. And she called me about a year before she passed and asked me knowing that her time was short asking me to coach her and it's it was a very interesting time to coach somebody who who knows that their days are short and um you know for me a lot of the coaching is you know at the end of your life what what will you want to be remembered for when you look back when you talk to your when you're when you talk to your grandchildren what, what do you want to tell them about what you were able to do or see in this time and, and that works very well in most situations. But when you're with somebody that knows that their time is short, um, mm-hmm. her only question was, 
today? What can I do today to get, it, it, it was literal preparation. Her journey ahead was heaven. Yes. That was it. And Ooh. so the questions really became, um, I don't know, it was, a, it was just a very special time and I, a reality check for me that we are all, that really is where we all are. All it's these true. things that we do, it will pass away. True. Uh, our, our goal is heaven and how do we get into that place? But it was such a, a beautiful time to be with somebody that that was a very real thing. And, and she just kept meeting with me week after week after week for that year, always asking the question of what can I do this week to get closer to Jesus and help my family see him more. And she, our last conversation was the week before she passed and her and I sat, she wanted to, she wanted to do an interview like this, where I would ask her questions that she could be remembered by. And so we sat together and, and we worked through all those questions. And then that week um, she passed and. Oh, uh, what a testimony. Yeah. So um, that's probably one that I don't want to do though, that one again. Um, no. It was a hard one, but it was a very powerful one. Sure puts life in a different perspective. Mm -hmm. For sure. So what about one of those clinkers? Uh, <laughs> oh man, I don't want to go there again. Um, I, I think probably when I think of one that was, it, this is what was more in a coaching, my first coaching class that I took. Um, I was with Chad Hall. He's a, a very well-known coach in the coaching world. And he, he was the uh, president of the coaching at Western at that time. Um, and he did this exercise where we, this is our first class and I'm just, and we're just learning. I'm basically learning that I don't know anything. And, and he does this exercise kind of in the middle of the class where he's having everybody go around and, and ask him basically we are all the coach together and he's the client and we as a class are going to coach him. And he says to us, we're all going to ask, you're all going to ask me two questions. And he said, Paula, I'm going to start with you. Um, and so the whole class is listening and I'm, you know, scared and insecure and all, I just want to hide. And so I ask him that question, my, the easy one, well, what do you want to talk about? And immediately he says, um, I'm thinking about writing another book. And at that moment, I kind of panicked. I, because I, at this point, had felt like a coach is somebody that I should probably have some expertise in something. And I, I didn't know how to advise my teacher how to write a, another book. And I, it was horrible. It was, I couldn't even think of a question. I was, I just shut down and he didn't care. He didn't care that I was uncomfortable. He didn't care. He just didn't care at all. He, he went there with me and painfully made me come up with a second question. And then when I feel like I finally got past it, he says to me, I think I've changed my mind, Paula. I'm going to have you ask five more questions. Oh no! Yeah, it, it was painful. It was horrible. And so I look at that honestly as the most painful 
thing that I publicly in front of everybody was they were clear clearly oh. aware that I did not know how to do this yeah. um, <laughs> but it was good I'll never forget it and it was so good to have somebody say I don't care how uncomfortable you are right now we are going there and yeah. <laughs> that's like being your first day in junior high or something like that yeah. so, <laughs> yeah, sure. so um, you know just one more question about life coaching if somebody might be intrigued by this and you've already talked about your beginning point of training uh, how would you encourage or coach someone to what, what do they do where do they go mm-hmm. well it kind of depends on what you want to mm-hmm. do for me I started to ask around questions I ended up going to um I somebody that I knew was in coaching Phil Newell uh who's who's a pastor in open bible but also very much in the coaching world I went to him mm-hmm. and started asking questions and he gave me the advice, which was so helpful because he said, um, if you want to go into coaching and if you're wanting to get certified and credentialed through the International Coach Federation, which is the highest coaching organization that you can get credentialed through, then make sure that your schooling is accepted by, by the ICF. And and so he gave me a few different ideas. Western was one of them. There was a there was a couple others that he suggested in that. And so that was that would be it. Finding a school that if that's your goal to be a life coach and you want to be credentialed, um, I love the 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 fact of being credentialed because I had to really work at coaching a lot. I had to do a lot of hours to get in that. There's a legitimacy to that then too. Yeah. And, and it's ongoing. I have to, every three years I have, there's a continued education that I have to get to keep doing in order to continue with them. And, and so along the way, so it, so that would be it too. It, it's just depending on you. If you're, if it's just something light and you're just wanting to add it to maybe your ministry as a pastor or a leader and mm-hmm. just any way that we can grow and in, in learning and to ask better questions. But if you're wanting, and, and I, Honestly, give me a call. I would love to to answer any questions that come alongside. Just you know, yeah, in any way I can in that. So great. So in other words, I hear you saying if you want to pursue the professional classification, mm-hmm. then follow the professional route. Yeah. To do it. Yeah. Well, well, Paula, this has been great talking with you today. Uh, I've enjoyed learning more about your journey, and I know that our listeners have as well. As you know, we call this Better Roads. Because life is full of all kinds of roads and some of those we choose, some of those it's like we find ourselves planted on them and we have to navigate our, ourselves through those. Some of those are, are roads that are painful and we could say if I have a choice to do it over again, I will not take that road again. But there are those roads all of us can look back and say, you know, I'm so thankful Um God help me with this. You know, that, that road that I took, those couple of roads were so pivotal to who I am today. God has used that in such a powerful way in my life. What would you identify as some of the better roads for Paula Sutherland that she's taken? Um, you know, I think, you know, like, just like you said, with following Jesus, there are, there's roads that he takes us on that are amazing and we there are definite highlights and beautiful experiences and then there are those that are difficult and hard and and painful and i i think for me when it comes to, to taking a better road it 
it's always going to just continue to go down the road that Jesus has for me. And I think for me, when it comes to difficult roads, painful roads, I'm okay with difficult. I can roll my sleeves and we'll work harder at this and we can do it. I can have a hard conversation. I'm okay with that. But pain is a whole different thing. I don't, I don't want pain. I don't want, I don't want, uh, I don't want it, you know. You're not a masochist, no. <laughs> yeah, I don't want that. But what I, what, but I think in that, the better road has been to allow, not just to walk in forgiveness, but to walk and allow God to bring healing. Um, because I, I think that is the better road. The better road is to allow God to go into those places and bring healing. And I think of it in terms of when I have a wound um, and I, I at times don't want healing because one, I might just want to protect it a little bit. I don't, I, I don't, don't bump into it because it hurts uh, when you bump into it. Um, but with that, I may kind of baby it a little bit and maybe even hold on to it a little longer than I, than I should because I feel justified in, well, you know, I didn't deserve this or, you know, this thing happened to me and, uh, it, and just use it as a thing that keeps me from not choosing a better way. And I think the better way is to allow God into those painful places to talk, to be, have a bad attitude, maybe with him to, to cry, to, to struggle, to, to be angry, um, to be honest in those conversations. And I'm, I'm so amazed that even just thinking about how in those seasons where there has been pain, God is so good. I, I don't know how he does it, but in that honesty, he really does bring healing and those wounds become scars eventually. And I think that becomes the better road that that then when somebody bumps into me, um, it doesn't hurt anymore because it is scarred, it is scarred over it. I can remember it, I can see the scar, but I but it doesn't hurt like an open wound did or does. And so I think for me the better road is just that is walking in a place of constantly allowing God to bring healing into those broken hurt places that we all have. I know in the future, God has great things ahead and he probably has a few more bumps and some, some hard things ahead. And I want all of that because it's in those moments that we get to see Jesus in a, in a very powerful, amazing, beautiful way. And, and to me, that is, it's, that's just the better road. That's a beautiful picture. Uh, the, the wounds that we allow Jesus to heal. So, Paula, it's been wonderful today. Thank you for your transparency with us. I know you've ministered to a lot of people, and thank you for joining us. Thank you. So good to be with you. And to you, the listener, thank you for joining us also, and we'll see you next time. You have been listening to Better Roads with Randall Bach, president of Open Bible Churches. Join us next time as we explore how God is part of another person's journey.